In this message, we're continuing our series, Good and Faithful, Life Well Done. And this week, we're looking at the idea of truthfulness. What does it mean to be truthful in our relationship with each other? And what does it mean to find truth in today's world when it seems like there's a lot of misinformation all around us? Now, what's interesting is we're actually using a passage out of the Bible from the end of the Gospel of John, where Jesus is talking to this guy named Pilate, who's actually like bringing him up on charges that will eventually lead to his crucifixion. And Jesus says to Pilate, you know, I came to testify to the truth. Whoever accepts the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate asks him, what is truth? And I think that's the question that we have a lot of times, right? What is truth? Where do we find truth? How do we judge what is truthful and what is wrong? So in this message, our senior pastor, Margaret de Vega, is going to help us find the contours of that and figure out what it might be, what it might mean to live a more truthful life. Check it out. Let's pray together. Oh God, open our eyes to empathy, curiosity, and humility, that we might be generous, compassionate, and truthful toward ourselves and toward others. In Jesus' name, amen. John is the only gospel to record the question that Pilate asks Jesus in today's scripture reading. All four gospels mention Pilate. He is, after all, a key figure in the Passion narrative, You can't have the story of the crucifixion without him. But John gives us the most details on the conversation inside Pilate's chambers. He asks Jesus twice as many questions in John's gospel. And we come to discover that in this version, Pilate is more than just the Roman governor and judge of Jesus' life and fate. In John, Pilate is a sparring partner, a debate contestant against Jesus himself. Pilate asked Jesus this question that is at the forefront of our minds today, especially in such a polarized world that we live in. It's a foundational question on what it means to have Christian ethical and moral character. Pilate asks Jesus, what is truth? There may be some who remember a time when questions about truthfulness were much more minor than they are today. You know, back in the day, debates about truthfulness were mostly about personal decisions about when and how to tell the truth. Is there ever such a thing as a white lie? Is it permissible to tell a lie if it means helping someone else? Well, those seemed like simpler times when truthfulness was a less controversial topic. Not today. As David Gushy writes in his book, Introducing Christian Ethics, the question of truthfulness in our social fabric is more urgent than ever before. This is what he writes. Systemic lying from elected government leaders, torrents of disinformation and misinformation on social media, ideologically fractured accounts of reality, the loss of a social norm of truth-telling, the abandonment of the virtue of truthfulness, This is where we find ourselves in many nations today. We are long past just debating about emergency situations where lying might be okay. Truth itself needs a comeback. So that's what makes this seemingly innocuous question by Pilate to Jesus so provocative and so timely. This is not just a private question between two people. This is not some gentlemanly debate between strangers. Pilate and Jesus symbolize 
two powerhouses locked in a universally consequential contest of ideas that frame the very fault lines of what it means in our society to be truthful. On the one hand, you have Pilate. He symbolizes law and order, following the rules and, and, and paying the consequences if you don't. But he also represents power, the kind of power that created the rules to begin with. So Pilate is in a dominant position. His, his is a power of self-preservation and preservation of control. You follow the rules and everything will be fine and the power structure will be preserved. That is the truth for Pilate. And then you have Jesus. He comes not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And he sees the laws of the land and the laws of the Jewish people as not based on punishment and control, but on freedom and love. And the law that Jesus has come to establish is based on self sacrifice, not self-preservation, as a way of transforming, not, not acquiescing to the powers of this earth. These are two very different perspectives on truth. In Pilate, you have the love of power. In Jesus, you have powerless love. So by the time we get to the 18th chapter in John's Gospel, a gospel that time and again raises the virtue of truth throughout the life of Jesus. It all boils down to this high stakes, critically important debate, conversation, in which Pilate and Jesus engage the question that we wrestle with today. What is truth? It's a question we wrestle with in our conversations with other people today including family and friends. It's a question we ponder as we observe our civic discourse today, when we see people across the political spectrum angrily claiming that they themselves have claimed the high road of absolute truth. We see it in warring ideological tribes who can't possibly see how the other side is right. And it all might make us demoralized when it feels like we can't even have civil conversations because we can't even agree on what's truth anymore. But here's something to remember. Truth needs a companion. There's a, a sidekick to truth that is necessary to have in order to prevent self-destructive harm. Truth requires trust. Rabbi Jonathan Sachs said, quote, a world of truth is a world of trust, and vice versa. You cannot have truthfulness without trustworthiness. If you want to be a truthful person, you have to be trustworthy. And that means forming your opinions based on trustworthy sources and perspectives. It means surrounding yourself with trustworthy people who have a shared interest in determining what is true. It means that what you claim to be true is checked and balanced by others who are just as trustworthy, even if their opinions are different from yours. I mean, think about how the research papers go through a process of peer review before they are validated for publication. But most of all, it means learning to think critically, critically about what you believe. It's interesting that both 
critic and crisis. The words critic and crisis come from the same Greek word. To think critically about what you believe means inviting the possibility of crisis in what you believe. It means being willing to be unsettled for a time in order to find new strength in your convictions. So being truthful not just means seeking trustworthy sources or surrounding yourself with trustworthy people. Jonathan Sachs says one more ingredient is important. Humility. He says, quote, I have to be able to recognize that certain facts are true even though they challenge my convictions. I have to acknowledge that there is something larger than me. And that is what is happening in this conversation between Pilate and Jesus. Maybe for the first time in his life, Pilate is discovering that there is some source of truth that is bigger than the empire that has groomed him into power. There is, there is a truth more important than the laws that are intended to keep the powers that be in place. There is a truth here in the person of Jesus that is meant to create crisis, that is meant to disrupt Pilate's way of thinking and way of acting and Pilate's very way of life. It has brought him to a moment of crisis, a crisis that offers an opportunity for transformation. If Pilate will simply look at truth, not through the eyes of power and control, but through the eyes of love and grace. In 1800s France, there lived a man named Eugene Francois Vidoc. Despite growing up in a family of means, Vidoc had a troubled childhood. He was smart and talented, but also lazy, rowdy, and fearless. He was constantly in trouble, getting into fights, committing theft, in and out of jail. He was arrested for stealing his parents' silver plates. He laundered money, he ran away from home, he joined the army, got into more fights, including the murder of two other officers. So he was kicked out of the army, was thrown into prison, escaped from prison, and got involved in one disastrous relationship with women after another. All of this by the age of 20. But in 1809, when he was 34 years old, Vidoc had a dramatic change of heart. As he was imprisoned for yet another crime, he then decided to turn his life around and be of a benefit to society. So that year he was released from prison and he began working for the local law enforcement agency to work with them as an informant and spy. So now here's Vidoc, who had spent his whole life running from the law, now experiencing freedom, and now devoting the rest of his life to serving the law. In his memoir, he wrote story after story of no longer being a criminal, but now chasing after criminals, outsmarting them, bringing them to justice. The life of Vidoc is one of competing truths, the truth of the law and the truth of redemption. The story of Eugene Francois Vidoc became so popular at the time that he inspired some famous novelists of the day writers like Edgar Allan Poe, Honoré de Balzac, and a certain French writer named Victor Hugo. 
who went on to write one of the great novels in literature in 1862, titled Les Miserables. The two main characters in that novel, as you may know, are Jean Valjean and Inspector Javert. And both of them are inspired by the same real-life man, Eugene Vidocq. Valjean is the hero of Les Miserables. He started out as a criminal, he was imprisoned for committing a simple crime of stealing a loaf of bread for his family. And after years of imprisonment, like Vidocq, he then devoted himself to righting his wrongs to society by being an honest businessman and a loving father to an adopted orphan whom he took in as his own daughter. But still his former life of crime would haunt him and he would be chased throughout his life by the other main character in the story, Inspector Javert. And like Vidocq, Javert too believed in law and order and being held accountable for one's crimes. Valjean and Javert are polar opposites, representing two ways to see the truth. Valjean, through the eyes of forgiveness, redemption, and grace, and Javert, through the eyes of the law and the preservation of power. I've come to appreciate the musical Les Miserables in many ways over the past 15 or so years. I've seen numerous screen adaptations, including the movie starring Hugh Jackman as Valjean. I've seen it live on stage several times from small town theaters to London's West End last summer. I even performed in it with my daughters when we lived in Iowa. But I've come to appreciate it even more, even more deeply, knowing that when Victor Hugo envisioned these two characters, he was inspired by the same person named Eugene Vidocq, who had both Valjean and Javert within him. The question that Pilate asked Jesus is the question we must ask ourselves. What will it mean for me to be a truthful person, to be a trustworthy person? And how will I navigate the tension between competing ideas of truth? Will I live like Valjean and like Jesus himself, who saw the way of grace? Or will I blindly follow the way of preserving the powers that be, as oppressive as that might be? That way of Javert is captured beautifully in the song Stars, one of the many iconic songs in the musical. In the midst of all the chaos of the moment, Javert seeks order and justice and predictability, just like stars in the sky. He looked to the stars as they symbolized for him law and order, as he says, sentinels in the darkness, to show him the way of preserving power through the law. The lyrics say, stars, in your multitude, scarce to be counted, filling the darkness with order and light. I invite you to watch a stirring performance of Stars by brilliant theatrical performer Philip Quast. You can find that video and other informational material related to today's sermon at hydeparkumc.org forward slash good and faithful. By the end of the musical, Valjean has an opportunity to kill Javert, but he chooses the way of redemption instead. 
He spares Javert's life, showing him a different way, not the way of the stars, but the way of the God who created the stars. What is the way of truth that you will follow? How will you be both truthful and trustworthy in your view of others and in your opinions about the world? May it be the way of Valjean, the way of Jesus, and not the way of Javert, the way of Pilate. And let it begin by recognizing that just as in the life of Eugene, Francois, Vidoc, there's a little of both in each of us. Let us pray. God, thank you for Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. In him we find the source of truth that guides us into the way of love and grace and redemption. Help us to be truthful and trustworthy in the way we form our opinions, and most importantly, in the way we interact with others. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you found this message helpful, and I hope that sometime this week you get to consider what truth means to you, maybe even in a real-life opportunity where you're presented with something that might be true, might not be, and you can figure out the truth for yourself. If you want to take this message deeper, you can go down to the notes below where we have some next steps, and we also have a link to the blog post that McGray mentioned where you can listen to the song from Les Mis, and you can find the other resources that McGray mentioned in his sermon. You can also go to the Next Steps page to find a group to join, find out more about our community. I hope you join us next week and stick with us through this series. Maybe even share it with a friend because the series being about Christian ethics, uh, it doesn't just apply to Christians, it applies to a lot of people. So hope you'll share it. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you next time.